Welcome each and everybody to episode number 117 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. Some people call me better things, some people call me worse things, but let's just stick with that for the time being. Uh, we are broadcasting here live at Castle Wolfenstein. I mean, we're live. By the time you hear this, it'll be taped. So, uh, And I am here with the real housewife of Transylvania. The mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Vaughn Nightmare. Guys, we just got back from vacation and I drank so much wine. But not enough and we need another vacation. <laughs> we are, of course, also joined by the, the man who is the hardest working man in podcasting, the conductor of the crazy train known as Trick or Treat Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. I did not have a vacation. I did not drink any wine. Oh, you can still drink wine even though you're not on vacation. Well, I don't drink wine, so. Oh. <laughs> well, nobody's perfect. We can get you a, a nice vintage grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do have grape juice every morning. Is that? Do you? Is that okay. The same? Yeah, kind of. Do okay. you drink so it out I of like a nice like chalice? Or? No. no. Wolfie's pimp cup? Whatever I find. Yeah. Sometimes out of the bottle. <laughs> it's like, hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> we have that in common. Yay. <laughs> Well, we are very excited here because we have a very special guest. Uh, she is a comic book writer. She is a, a a host of multiple podcasts. She is the star of the Red Shirt Diaries on YouTube. She is a super nerd and a super awesome lady. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have the honor of Miss Ashley Robinson. How are you doing today, Ashley? I'm so good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. We're very excited to have you on. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited to talk about our topic today. Yeah. I don't drink either, so I have nothing to contribute. That's okay. <laughs> That's more for me. It's okay. There you go. You can have mine. <laughs> you have th- three servings now. Th- th- wow. Which equals Good one luck. ashes size <laughs> serving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all I can think of now is the, the, the Simpsons when she's starting to date when uh, Mrs. Krabappel starting to date Principal Skinner and she's like, oh, you know, it's always soup for one, salad for one, wine for three. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good reference. Good pull. Thank you. Thank you. I pretty much reference the Simpsons all the time. Um, but so you are here today to talk about your uh, upcoming Kickstarter, a uh, new, mm-hmm. new comic that you've uh, coming out. This will be the second one that you've you've released unless I'm uh, miscounting. Our second creator owned, yes. Yes. But uh, before we get into that, we have to do a little thing that I like to call getting into character. And uh, we gave you a little bit of an idea of what this is going to be like off air. But uh, are you ready for your five questions? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I tried to. Yes, I'll say confidence, yes. <laughs> after listening to some of your interviews and seeing the channel and like the, the stuff that you guys do. Uh, I've tried to tailor these these questions towards your areas of expertise. So your first question is, what is, or who is, depending on how you view them, your favorite TV, movie, or book robot? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, I feel like the really trendy thing to say is to say the robot from... Um, lost in space because apparently he's a sex symbol, which is a terrifying idea. What? And I feel like, uh, yeah, there's a whole contingent of, um, I 
can't remember what they're called. So there's like a bunch of nice people who um, are sexually attracted to objects, which is cool. Uh, you do fetishes. you. Okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. Out, yeah. Um, and they're really into apparently Doctor Strange's cape and the robot, the new robot from Lost in Space. Well, the new robot from Lost in Space is on the Netflix show is very. Uh, very masculine looking, we'll say. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an upgrade from the classic hook flailing robot. Um, but I think I'm going to say Rosie from the Jetsons because I really like the Jetsons. Nice. Oh, it takes place <laughs> in the far off year of 2002. Well, and she yeah. her house. And she's sweet and she provides emotional support. So, and she's yeah, sassy. I could use that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a really good. Rosie's answer. a good poll. Yeah, like, thank you. <laughs> there's so many, so many different robots to choose from. I mean, like that's why I tried to open it up. I know everyone, everyone is screaming data at their phone right now. I know, I know. <sighs> He's more Android than straight robot. Mm-hmm. That's so, true. Take that. <laughs> yeah. So, second question: Would you rather be accepted into Hogwarts or Xavier's school for gifted youngsters? Ooh, um, I really want to be a witch, so I want to say Hogwarts, but if you go to Xavier's school, I feel like you have better classmates, you know what I mean? But I'll say Hogwarts, because I want magic powers. I would say that either school you're going to, you're going to die. Yeah, you're in a significant amount of danger one way or the other. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Now, if you go to Hogwarts... Which which house house would you be sorted into? I'm a Gryffindor. Okay, okay. With Slytherin tendencies. See, we're <laughs> Slytherin. Yeah, we're we're both Slytherin. We're both Slytherin. So, all right. Uh, question three. So we can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Horace Slughorn was awesome, and he was a Slytherin. That's true. There were there's lots of awesome Slytherins. Uh, alien or predator? Alien. I've never seen any other predators. Oh, that's okay. We just that was our show. <laughs> that was our show last week. We we discussed the predator. There's a very rich mythology surrounding that character. You might actually enjoy it. I know. Uh, I know that it's considered to be one of the greatest action movies of all time. It is. And, and if you watched the uh, the honest trailer, and I know you guys have had some uh, interactions with the screen junkies, folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason worked there for a while. Yeah. Um, the uh, they make a great point. It's one of the best movies you'll see, and about half of it is people staring into into the forest, looking at trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of the rings. Yeah. So number four isn't really a question. It's more tell us something random people might be surprised to find out. Like, you know, your favorite snack is peanut butter and pickle sandwiches, or something. You know, something random. It doesn't have to be overly personal. You know, just something random that people might be surprised. Like, oh, I really don't like Star Trek. I'm just going along. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure there's people who think that about me. Um, I rarely have matching socks because I can't be bothered to see if they match unless they're, like, knee socks. Nice. Same. Yeah. Same. (laughs) I'm an adult. I have too many things to do. (laughs) Einstein was the same way. Never had matching socks. And knew what was up. If you read Jurassic Park, uh, that's kind of how they discuss the character of Malcolm. He only has black or gray socks, so no matter what, he's all, he doesn't have to really worry about color coordinating anything. He always oh, has black or gray socks. I think that's why I only buy like Halloween socks 
So mm-hmm. even when they don't match, it's like, yeah, but they're all like Halloween. So yeah, we just, that's kind of I love that. Yeah. We just bought a bunch of the dollar socks at Target, got a bunch of the dollar Halloween socks and a pair of pizza socks. So, Oh, nice. Uh, all right. Last one. And I think this is really going to uh, bake your noodle to <laughs> a, a, a Matrix bake reference. It's a Matrix reference. Uh, you are going on a quest. Choose six companions. They can be from any any genre, anything. You're going on a quest, six companions, to bring you up to that, that magic number seven. Um, I'll take all four of the hobbits because they're you're very useful in ways that you don't expect them to be. So I'll take Fro, Sam, Mary, and Pippin. Um, anything, huh? Mm-hmm. So you need two more. That's a big question. Um, I'll take Silk. Because you never know when spider powers are going to be useful to you. And I think she's cool and we could be friends. Okay. And I will take... Hmm. Hmm. I'm literally looking around at all the things that I have. I'll take Kermit the Frog. Interesting. Because you keep up morale. That's a good... That's uh... <laughs> That's a good choice. Like, I would not have picked Kermit the Frog to have, to go on a quest. That's a really interesting choice. <laughs> See, that's why we ask these, you know, hard-hitting, you know, thoughtful questions. Um, I knew you would pick the Hobbits because uh, after listening to our friends over on Punch Fire, yes. uh, you love you some Billy Boyd. Oh, my God. I love him so much. <laughs> He's my favorite. Yes. So... Uh, Ashes, you look like you have something to say. So, actually, I have a question oh, before oh, we get yes. into the the meat and potatoes one. of this, so to say. Um, so, you have had the opportunity to do some really awesome stuff, like really awesome stuff. My question to you is, what is the coolest thing you've done so far? Either something that you've actually done or a person that you've had the opportunity to meet or... Just, just mm. anything that that you've done that just sticks out in your mind that you know when you think back you're like wow that was really freaking cool. Um, I got to meet Tim Sale, who's a comic book artist, earlier this year at Phoenix Comic Fest, and he's my favorite comic book artist in the entire world. And he was completely lovely to me. Uh, he was absolutely a beautiful human being, and I also had occasion to meet. Um, a writer with whom he used to work with quite often, whose stories I really enjoy, who was really mean to me. So it was really, really nice that he was just a lovely human being. Um, He spoke to me with great respect. I gave him my comic. um, And he just was very generous with his time, which is something that I really, really appreciate. That's awesome. Like, it's it's great when you meet somebody and you're like, you've always wanted to meet them and they're really cool they're to you. not a dick yeah, yeah. well I mean, you know, they, say, they say never meet your heroes but i mm-hmm. feel like you know at the same time pick and choose I, the heroes you meet yeah because you can have a really great opportunity and it can leave you with this great story that you can carry with you for the rest of your life like the time I got a bear hug from Roddy Piper. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, and it's tough and we're all people at the end of the day and there's mitigating circumstances. But I do think that, especially if you're someone that other people want to tell how awesome they think you are, 
even if you're having a bad day, just smile and say thank you. That's yeah, all we yes. want. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. So you are joining us today for a very specific reason. We touched on it a little bit. Uh, you have a new project that you and Jason Inman are working on. Uh, why don't you tell the folks yes. a little bit about this? All right. So it is called Science, and you have to say it like that, even if you're sick, because it's spelled with an exclamation point. So it you know begs to be spoken like a 1940s baseball announcer. And it stars a 14-year-old Indian-American girl named Tamsin Kuhn Trakru, and she is just the smartest science person in any room at any given time. And she has been accepted into the Prometheus Institute, which uh, the name might give away maybe what's going to happen to the school. I don't know. <laughs> and she should be really excited about this. It's kind of the perfect place for her. But she's not super jazzed to be there because her father used to be the headmaster and died when she was very young under mysterious circumstances. Uh, but because she's a super smart science lady and because he was a super smart science man, he downloaded his consciousness into her glasses. So he's with her at all times and guiding her through her journey there to uncover the mystery of what really happened to him and maybe try to take the school down from the inside. Uh, and we really wanted to, which I'm sure we'll talk about based on a little conversation we had before the show started, we really wanted and were encouraged by our uh, Eisner-nominated publisher, Bedside Press, to include real scientific facts. So not only is it an amazing school full of amazing teachers and really wonderful students, but there are robots that populate the school, keep the grounds, and they're called STATS, which is Science and Technological Assistant Teachers. Uh, if you go to sciencecomicbook.com, which is where our pre-order campaign is, uh, you can actually see some of them in our concept art. Uh, we have the first seven pages up there. So they pop in and they will teach you real science facts because Jupiter Jet, which was our first project, was sci-fi, but it was more of the science fantasy take. It was more like Star Wars. And this book, Science, is more a fiction that's rooted in actual science. So one of our characters tries to make rocket boots and it doesn't work, so Stat pops for putting that on your website and the rocket boots are part of this competition that the school has where you can win the prometheus award for superior science so it's one of the students efforts it's something all working on individual projects and all the characters have different areas of expertise um and tamsin our protagonist has this really cute roommate who she really likes but it's really embarrassing because like her dad can see her trying to hook up with this girl all the time and her roommate, Garen, discovers a power source that could rip a hole in the fabric of time and space. So the book really hinges on Tamsin having to decide whether she's going to help this girl she has a crush on, whether she's going to save this family that she didn't expect to find at the school and learn that ultimately the only thing that she can trust is science. It sounds like a very compelling story. Oh, thank you. I hope so. <laughs> I was gonna say you were you were just checking off so many different boxes for me right now, like diversity and feminism and you know Robots. actual science and stuff. Like this yeah. is great. I love things that not only try to entertain but educate the masses. And I feel like this is definitely going to be doing that. I really hope so. And also as one of the writers on it, like I'm learning a lot because I don't work in STEM. I'm a fool who works in uh, arts and entertainment. So it's been really, really fascinating 
coming up with an idea and then actually figuring out if there's any real scientific validity to it, how you can tweak it so that there is. But it's amazing how much, you know, how many ideas that you would think are science fiction are actually out there. Like CRISPR, that's insane. Yeah, CRISPR is crazy stuff. (laughs) So... What I would like to know, because our listeners know that I, uh, you know, my day job is as a, a mad scientist, so I have a fairly strong science background. I'm very intrigued by this. And my first question to you is, where did you begin your research? Like, who did you reach out to in regards to trying to, you know, educate yourselves? Because it seems like keeping things you know, realistic and actual was important to you and Mm -hmm. your co-writers. So, you know, where, where did it all begin? Oh man, I'll Google all the time. (laughs) You know what? Um, scientists do that too. Like Google is (laughs) our friend. It's amazing. I can't tell you how many times I Google shit like every day. It's funny because, you know, uh, if, no, I'm going to sound like an asshole saying this, and I don't mean to come across as, as haughty or anything, but if you know how to use a search engine or, you know, even something like Wikipedia, if you know how to use that well, you can get to some really, really amazing resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so even like Wikipedia, which I know is not an academic source, it's not even maybe a great place to get informed, but it's a great starting block. It is. So, it definitely is. You you just have to not, it's like WebMD, man. You can't take it as your only source because WebMD is always trying to tell me I'm pregnant just because I feel sick. And it's just, no, Um, we are very fortunate. We do have a friend. So anytime we have like some real hard science questions, he's a really good resource that we have. And then I find, um, I found this even just in working in comics and trying to break in. You'll be surprised reaching out to people who is willing to help you or who's willing to nudge you in the right direction. So it's more just uh, learning never to be afraid to ask. And we're fortunate because at the end of the day, even if we fudge something a little bit, we're like, oh, it's fiction, man. What do you want? (laughs) Suspension of disbelief. That's all you need to throw in there. Suspension of disbelief. Because, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, look at uh, The Martian, you know, mm-hmm. great idea. It's it's awesome. But the whole story hinges on an atmospheric anomaly that cannot happen on Mars. Yeah, it sounds good, though. So people go with it. <laughs> and the, but the rest of the science is sound. You know, yep. the way he gets through his predicament, it's all sound. But, you know, sometimes the thing that kind of kickstarts your story you need to take a little bit of a leap of faith. Yeah. Can uh, can we swear on this podcast? Oh, absolutely. oh absolutely. Okay. I just always want to make sure I should have asked you before we started. I'm so sorry. I, I uh, actually, every time I watch The Martian, I'm just like, I love science fiction, but fuck space entirely. <laughs> like, I don't, don't want to go there. I don't want to be. Oh, I want to go to space. Uh, you can have the best time and please send me a postcard. <laughs> Yeah, Hasha says this very similar thing. Well, you know, it's, Bye. Yeah. <laughs> we'll hang out and you and Jason can go. I have no desire to leave the atmosphere. We'll Skype. Like, I, yeah. you can go. Bye. Yeah. Space Skype. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you can go go make potatoes with Mark Watney. Like, I, I'm good. I'm good. Man, because you know what happens to colonists? They die. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much yes. all of them. Yes. Yeah. 
2001, <laughs> they looked like they were doing all right. Oh, man, that's a long movie. It is. <laughs> um, so, now, the, you said, uh, in, in kind of like uh, the preparation we were doing, you know, the little back and forth we were having uh, mm-hmm. about the, the show and, you know, what we're all about. Um, I had a couple of questions about your, your character of Tamsin. Now, are there any specific characters like, say, folks who are listening to this or want to want to uh, help the Kickstarter are unfamiliar with, you know, mainstream comics or there are there any analogs, you know, maybe in like a TV show or a movie or even because uh, there's a couple characters that I thought of right off the top of my head um, as I was listening to you describe uh, Tamsin. Is there are there any analogs that folks can look to and be like, okay, this is a similar type of of character, and I like that character, so I'm really interested in this, or maybe That's somebody a, that inspired a you. really good question. No one's ever asked me before. Um, she is actually inspired by a, a real person that I know. She's inspired by my best friend from high school, whose name is Kristen, who is. Uh, Indian Canadian so like that's why she looks the way she I mean diversity is something that's very important to me but when we were designing the characters I was like oh I want her to look like my friend <laughs> I don't get to see her often which is awesome. um all of the characters are named after real scientists um that reflect their areas of expertise I'm I'll well, their names, but I'm not going to tell you what all their areas of expertise are because that's something that kind of unfolds over the course of the book. But so Tamsin's the lead, and she has DJ, Sally, Rosie, and Garen. Uh, Garen's the only one. Her name is inspired by a fictional character. Mm-hmm. Um, Tamsin is very Reed Richards, I would say. Uh, if you know the characters for the Fantastic Four, I hope that's a reference that people get and they're not just thinking about the terrible movies. Um, but that sort of pure raw talent and delight in the scientific process, but sometimes to a point of emotional blindness, um, to me is very who she is. Um, let me think a little bit. Who came to mind for you? I'm very curious. Uh, Shuri? From Black Panther. Oh yeah, we. I will say though, we developed this concurrently with Jupiter Jet, so she. We had Tamsin before we saw Black Panther. Oh no, but no, I'm, I'm not. You know, saying that. No, this is just I just a, mean she. I just meant that she wasn't like a direct inspiration, right, but I right. think that's a very accurate. Yes, if people don't know a ton about uh, other characters or if it seems too vague, I think she's a very good comparison. Yeah. Like a younger, a younger girl or the um, I'm blanking on her last name, but the, the young girl who's taken over uh, like the Iron Man mantle, Riri. I, oh, Riri. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, um, even Peter maybe Parker. Mm-hmm, maybe more. Um, oh, I guess she's got a roommate named Sally. Who's a little more uh, Lunella from moon girl and devil dinosaur, who is, Fun fact, the smartest character in the Marvel Universe. That's canon. Ten-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Um, they even kind of have a similar design, which was unintentional, but they're very similar. Nice. And and then I guess you can always say there's a little Captain Kirk thrown in there for good measure. You <laughs> well, gotta have a, a woeful disrespect of everybody's safety to have science adventures. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a hallmark of, um, you know, a lot of brilliant, types of characters you know your Sherlock Holmes your house 
you know, those types who of is a Who is a Sherlock homage, yeah. Yeah. He even has the same address, 221B Baker Street. His patient was Irene Adler yes. in the pilot, which yes. is insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's definitely, it's, how did they phrase it in Foxtrot? It's an homage, not a ripoff. Yeah. That's right. It's pastiche. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see. There were some other things that I wanted to ask you. So um, my question is, why did you decide to make the main protagonist a female? Like, was that intentional? I know you said that you were basing it off of your, your friend, but mm-hmm. you easily could have taken those traits and made it, a, you know, a, a boy, a, a man. So, you know, was it imperative that you make your lead character uh, a female? You know what? There's just too many goddamn boy stories in this world. Yes! Thank um, you. I'm Thank only you. half joking when I say that. Um, there are a lot of really great male characters. They've had a lot of great stories told about them. Um, my favorite comic book character of all time is a male. Um, but I do think, I think in particularly when you want to play in the realm of STEM, um, as someone who doesn't work in it, I do think it's important to encourage um, female-driven narrative because there's lots of women who work in STEM. Um, you know, Myra Adele Logan performed the first heart transplant in America, uh, she, you know, and She's not someone who's really celebrated. No, they, um, everybody gives that to Christian Bernard, right? Who who deserves the who deserves what credit he receives as well? But I feel like female scientists kind of, as far as huge recognition goes, really kind of arrests with Mary Curie, and uh, or Marie, sorry, um, and she's wonderful. And what she did was absolutely insane. And I understand why that inspires people and why she's always at the forefront of our mind, but. There's more than just that in the real world. But also, um, science came about because Jason Inman, my writing partner, had an idea for wanting to tell this sort of like hard science-inspired story in the vein of the Fantastic Four. And I immediately had the idea that it was set at a school. And Tamsin just sort of showed up fully fledged. Like she was always, the lead was always going to be this girl. See, I, I like the fact, and you know, I know uh, you touched on this a little bit uh, with with uh, Mark and Alicia on Punch Farm, but mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things you said it was just it was an organic thing. It wasn't like, well, I need to have a female protagonist now. Let me create this female. It was just like this is what came to my head. The same way, like let's have it at a school because you know a lot of stuff, especially young adult stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is based on school because I mean that's your target audience. It's either based on you know school or some sort of peer bonding experience. Whether you know you have like the Maze Runner where it's a bunch of bunch of adolescent kids at the Hunger Games, the same type of thing. Even Battle yeah, or like Royale. Uh, Lumber Jeans is at a summer camp, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean there's always like some sort of like it's almost like the same way like a lot of the teen movies like you know Can't Hardly Wait or American Pie. You know kids can look at that and be like, oh yeah, that's this kid and that kid represents that kid like there's always a proxy for somebody you know so you connect with it more and you kind of get into it a little more well and not and only that like, the shared language that we all have too like yeah. we all did school <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and not only that like if these are the first 
characteristics and traits and places that you envisioned when, you know, fleshing out the, you know, initial ideas of the story, then it's not going to feel forced. It's not like you're going, you're, you're trying to a- appeal to a certain audience. Everything's just going to kind of flow naturally, which I feel is going to captivate audiences even more because, you know, you're not aiming for a certain audience. It's just what came to mind. I hope so. I hope everyone's not like, oh, another goddamn girl story from these two. Uh, we definitely have to have, we definitely have to do a boy story after this. <laughs> so, um, I know we have uh, another character we have to get into talking about, but I wanted to get into a little bit about, uh, before we do that, I want to, you know, why don't you tell us some of the uh, different levels for the uh, the Kickstarter program, some of the cool perks that you have Oh, yeah. I think we have really cool rewards, um, which we work and agonize very hard on. Um, so you can get the, bo- the book. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this already, so I'll, I'm sorry if I did, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, our goal is funded, so it's really just like a pre-order. The book's going to happen. You can just go and get it, whether you want it digitally or in hard copy. If you are getting a hard copy, we have really cool prints. We have one by Brent Schoonover, who drew... Uh, the Captain Marvel for part of Marvel Legacy, and he did the Ant-Man story that reintroduced Scott Lang into continuity when Ant-Man got his new series, when the movie was coming out. And then we also have a print that's drawn by Ryan Sands, who is the star of Marvel Runaways. He is the, uh, he's uh, Jeffrey Wilder, Alex's dad, the uh, thousand feet tall, nice African-American gentleman who's also an incredible artist. Um, he had his cover debut last week in Runaways number 13. He did a print for us. But Jason and I started as fans, and we went through a very long process before we were in a position where we could create content that we wanted and of the quality that we wanted. Um, Jupiter Jet, our first comic, was, I think, our fourth or fifth pitch. Uh, We did other stuff before then that just wasn't good enough, wasn't ready. Maybe someday we'll revisit it. So we have a lot of rewards that focus around helping other comics because i'm assuming if people read comics there's a good chance they have an um level whether that's as a publisher as an artist as a letterer as a writer or whatever so our big reward which is gone was we had a script review by uh tom king who writes this little book called batman uh very independent very well reviewed uh he's really great we do still have uh portfolio reviews artist portfolio reviews by mitch garrods who is his artist on batman and who is uh, coming back to that really soon he also does mr miracle and because we hit a stretch goal today um as we're recording it we released a new uh portfolio review by mark andraco who is the current writer of supergirl he curated the love is love anthology that jason and i were in uh he wrote wonder woman 77 and i think we might have a Cullen Bunn reward left. Um, he writes for Marvel. He's writing X-Men Blue. He wrote Six Gun. He's really incredible. And all of the people that we featured who are offering content review are people who mentored us, who helped us, who we really trust and believe in. And we know that they're going to give you useful feedback. And also, you're not just getting their feedback on your script. You're getting an opportunity to build a relationship with these amazing comic book pros. I think all of which have won or been nominated for Eisner's and Harvey's. So I really hope that people try to take advantage of that. And I would love nothing more than if in a year, if in two years, if in five years, 
people are kickstarting the comics that they bought these reviews to work in development on. Yeah, and that's I was looking at some of the the the, the uh, rewards today, and it's it's awesome. And like, that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. I just want more comics, and more comics means more good comics. <laughs> right, and you know it's it's like you were saying, like anybody who has like even a passing interest, you know, whatever it happens to be. And like, you know, you're getting these other artists who are people like, hey, I know that person. I, you know, maybe I'm not familiar with, you know, with Ashley or Jason, but I'm familiar with, you know, Tom King and I'm, you know, this would be an awesome thing. So if he's, he's vouching for us, so it might be good. <laughs> right. Like if, if they got him to lend his name to their product, it must be of superior quality. Maybe I'll check it out and then they check it out and then. You know, one of the most important things that uh, you guys have brought up repeatedly through, you know, the podcast appearances and through the videos that you've done is sharing it. Like, if you don't have, you know, yes. five bucks, share it. Uh, we have our group on Facebook. I will definitely make sure to share, you know, this because this episode will air two days from now. Um, cool. You know, so we'll share I mean, it in I... our group. I mean that, and I think people might think that um, we're being glib, but I'm I'm not. Like I do think we have great rewards. I think they're fairly priced, but I've been in a position where I where I can't donate to a Kickstarter and I can't get the thing I want. I would say if people can spare a dollar, that's amazing. More Kickstarters are funded on one dollar rewards and donations than anything else. And if that's out of your budget, that's fine. I've also been there. A share is invaluable because we all have our circles of connections around ourselves everyone that we're connected to and the more circles that we can get this into the more people we can bring this story to and that's more important to me than what the number is that you see on the campaign or anything else like i don't create this story in a vacuum i truly want as many people to read it as possible exactly i you know i i've written a few things myself i've got a couple of books out i've written for you know a bunch of uh, a couple of different websites and it's a really great feeling when something you've written, you know, no matter what it is. Like I did a review for the sci-fi movie Megalodon that was shared nice. by the <laughs> Asylum. Like the Asylum tweeted out my article, you know. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Right? Like I was, it was so great. And we had all these interactions with the actors and the director and like. It's just I want to be so... in an asylum movie so bad. Right? Like, yeah. That's like bucket list right there. It just seems like such a blast. It, yeah. And, you know, you know, if you have a chance, definitely check out that uh, that episode we did. It was episode 101 where we had the cast of Megalodon on the show. It was... Oh, I didn't know that. I listened to a few of your episodes because I don't like to come on a show and not know what it's about. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but I didn't get that one. So I'm going to go. I'm literally downloading it right now. That's awesome. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. It's, it's a lot of fun. and um, But, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, it's something that, you know, you worked hard on. You put your passion and your, your energy into it. I mean, it's the same as doing the podcast. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's so cool that you, you are checking out our show. Like, I, I like that. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's so cool that anybody listens to us ramble on about, you know, whatever you know made up made up people like it's isn't that the most insane thing where you're like uh, people are listening to me what yeah <laughs> it's it's really great um but like what's crazy is when when somebody is like genuinely interested in 
the you know the the project that you're working on it's mm-hmm. like really like you're you you like it like you want to know more you want to listen to me you want to share it like that i mean i it still blows my mind sometimes like how awesome some people are yeah um but yeah so i know we will definitely be picking this up and we will definitely be sharing it in our circles on social media and, thank you for circles you know and, and hopefully we can penetrate more circles that's right that sounds yeah. like a very biology pun that we made <laughs> <Yes. there. laughs> um and just i because you complimented my my simpsons reference earlier i have to uh, I have to uh, recommend another episode. It's called The Price We Pay for Krusty, where we had Simpsons writer Mike Price on, and we talked about Krusty the Clown, and it was friggin' amazing. So, Oh, I'm getting that one, too. I love The Simpsons. Uh, one of my ex-boyfriends, who I'm still friends with, is a very nice man, uh, was very into The Simpsons. So, like, the first uh, 12 seasons are sort of permanently burned into my brain <laughs> well, then I have to. I, I would be remiss if I didn't recommend our friends at the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. They re, they've. Oh, dang. They're on You're giving se- me so much to listen to. I love it. <laughs> well, they're on season six, and they've done ev- one show on every episode up through season six. And this is weekly? How long have they been doing this podcast for? Good for them. <laughs> a little over, little over two years. So. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely a labor of love and oh, yeah. they are just so delightful to listen to. Yeah, they're nice. And they've we've crossed over. They've been on here. We've gone and talked with them. So And their Simpsons knowledge is so impressive. <laughs> it's like, yes. "Oh my god, I'm learning something." <laughs> Fans always know more. It's uh, I'll leave it at that. Yes. I'm not saying fans are always right. Um, but fans always know more, which is always very interesting. So I think uh, what we'll do is we'll we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into our uh, our main topic of conversation because I know uh, you're on a bit of a time crunch, and I don't want to put you right up to the wire. So um, we'll uh, we'll take our quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the character of the day, uh, which is Tim Drake. So this is going to be a very interesting conversation. This will be the first of the Bat family that we've done. Yes. Ooh, no pressure. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we'll be right back after these short messages. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you <laughs> took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. 
I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebags. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Hello, this is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal. And they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunches.com. And we are back. I hope you enjoyed that break. We had some good stuff in there. Um, so, Ashley. Yes. You uh, chose this character. You chose Tim Drake. Uh, you said. Yeah. He's <laughs> surprising no one. <laughs> and it's it's interesting. Like I said, we, we've done a couple of uh, mainstream characters. You know, we did our, our Old Man Logan show. We did our World War Hulk show. Um, but characters like Robin or Batman, you know, who have these huge, huge catalogs of, of material on them, they're harder to do, but, uh, where I think you're, you're very knowledgeable about him, we can kind of, um, you know, center the discussion on, on certain things. So, uh, my first question for you, I guess, is... Why Tim Drake and not, say, Carrie Kelly or uh, Damian Wayne or Dick Grayson? So the easy answer to that is uh, I fucking hate Damian Wayne, so it's never going to be Damian Wayne. Fair I enough. hate him He's an asshole. with <laughs> all the deep, dark parts of my soul. Um, I think he's, his creation single-handedly ruined Tim Drake. Um, although I will say to the great credit of the creative team – um in rebirth his relationship with john kent in superman and through super sons i think is his best stuff so i think he's slightly more palatable there um i love carrie kelly but i think carrie kelly i kind of think she shouldn't i don't think anyone else should touch her like she's so perfectly preserved in the dark night um, and I don't like that story, but I really like her, so it becomes difficult to talk about. Um, Dick Grayson, I will fully admit, is the best Robin. He's not my favorite Robin, um, but he is Batman's great success. He's a wonderful character. He's one of the only characters we've ever been allowed to see grow, grow up. Uh, he's sexy as hell. Like, There's a lot of good to be said about Dick Grayson. But for me, Tim Drake was the character, one of the first superhero characters that I really identified with. Um, I grew up in the 90s, so Batman the Animated Series was my gateway drug into so many things. It was the first place I ever saw Tim Drake. 
Um, on my podcast, Geek History Lesson, I often talk about that's where I first met most of these characters. Um, so I'm sorry if anyone doesn't have that as a reference point. Oh, uh, but great series. So good. Uh, but what I think makes Tim special is I think Tim is the person who functions best in the role of Robin. Now, I know I just said that Dick Grayson was the best Robin, but I think as a character, Dick is like Batman's greatest victory. But I think in the role of Robin, Tim is the best. Uh, when I was a little kid, I think we all have things and messages that our parents or our teachers give us over and over again. And it sort of becomes your identity, whether they intend it to or not, because you're you're young and your brain is soft. So <laughs> the thing that I... I couldn't think of a better way to phrase it. I've been up for a long time. Um, the thing that I heard over and over again growing up was that I was very smart, um, which is great. And that's a message that I'm very happy that that was what I received versus like, you know, anything else I could have been told. And Tim Drake is one of the first characters other than Batman who's really prized for how smart he is now. I think Marvel does a better job at that because Marvel is more science adventure and DC is more, um, I guess, epic. And it's this, it's the story of gods, as Grant Morrison says. Yeah. But Tim is able to play with all of these gods based solely on his intellect. Obviously, the Robins go through this really intense training and he's incredibly fit and he's a great fighter. But he gets by on his smarts because it was the 90s and hacking was really trendy and computers were kind of mysterious still. So it was cool to be smart, which is something that I just wish would be cool again. And I wish the power of conversation would be respected again. Uh, education is powerful. Nelson Mandela knew it. We all need to know it. So Tim is that character and he was coming out in a lot of comics at that time. He's the first Robin to have a Robin solo series. Dick Grayson and Jason Todd never starred in a book called Robin. Tim Drake was the first one, uh, which was amazing. The series that spun out of the detective comics Lonely Place of Dying, where he first put on the Robin suit. So he's a smart guy, and that's great, and I love that about him. But he's also truly a detective. And he, that's one of the things that I love most about Batman. He's a detective. I love Sherlock Holmes. I'm a huge BBC Sherlock for first two seasons stan. I think they're like a perfect television show and there were no more seasons after that. Nope, nope, never, nope. And I think that's something that gets lost about his character is that he's a detective because he has been upgraded to Bat God. He does have to function as an action hero and sometimes his angst gets in his way. I like to call that Super Dick Batman. <laughs> which <laughs> Yes. I've really enjoyed some super dick Batman. I like in murderer. Um, and maybe not the scene where he punches Nightwing in the face, but it's a, and to me, that's kind of when Batman gets taken a little too far. And I think that Tim Drake's Robin does a really good job at grounding him because he does come to crime fighting and to the mission of saving Gotham from this more intellectual heady place. He's the most like, Bruce Wayne or the ideal of Bruce Wayne that Batman is striving for of any of the Robins because he is driven from this place of being a detective. Nobody else in the Bat family does that. Dick has in his Nightwing solo series, he does become a cop, which I love and I wish they would bring back, but he's not as inherently good at it as Tim is. Uh, Jason's just straight up a crook, which uh, I also love, but doesn't necessarily make him a great partner for Bruce Wayne Batman. And then Damien is... 
just an ass. I like 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 Jason likes to say he's a what what if Bruce Wayne but no Alfred. Ooh, that's a good. Uh, which that's good. Yeah, it almost makes me appreciate the character, uh, but I still don't like him, and I don't think I'm ever going to be convinced to like him, and that's fine. And I did make a joke about hating him earlier, but if anyone loves him, more power to you. I I never. When I when I don't like something, I never mean to take anything away from people who do like it, even if I'm being uh, a glib jerk about it. But so f- just for me, I think Tim on functionality is the best. He's the one that I most immediately related to. And then we'll get really personal here and it's going to get weird. So I'm sorry. Um, in Identity Crisis, uh, Tim's father dies kind of brutally. And that came out not too far after my father passed away. So that was just a, like a, a strange personal parallel that that's a story that I really love, even though it hasn't aged well, because it hit me at an emotional time where I really understood what he was going through. So to have my favorite character sort of help me with a weird time in my life also really means a lot to me. And then post Damien's creation, uh, Tim has kind of been relegated to this weird role. We don't really know what to do with him. He died, but not really. And I'm really sad that DC never made him Nightwing when Dick was Batman. I just think it would have been so cool. And I'm sorry, I think I like, 10 minutes straight and <laughs> didn't let you say too much. No, no, that's fine. That's okay. um, I just have a lot of feelings about Tim Drake. <laughs> no, that's that's why I asked you. I said, this is what we do. This is what we do on our show. Like, I don't know a whole lot about Tim Drake. Um, my first introduction to him was, you know, obviously I watched Batman the Animated Series as well, but I think the thing that I really stuck with me about uh, Tim is his role during the Nightfall storyline. Great story, yeah. Like, it's it's up there for me. It's like my top three. It's Infinity Gauntlet is my favorite all-time storyline. Um, I know not everybody's a big fan, but I don't care. Nightfall and then... Uh, Executioner's Song. Those are my three favorite comic arcs. Nice. Good um, choices. Nightfall didn't just... DC just finished putting out a really nice new collection of Nightfall, I think. I, it took me several years to get all the uh, the three big uh, books of it because they were like $30 each, and I never really yeah. had $30 to drop on comic books. Dude, I get it, but that's why I'm a trade waiter because I'm like, oh, I, I got to spend 30 bucks on floppy issues? What? Yeah. <laughs> But his role throughout that, you know, and it's like you were saying, like, it was it was interesting because you would have expected, you know, Dick to take over as Batman while Mm -hmm. Bruce is just utterly destroyed. Dick should take over as Batman. And then, you know, you get uh, Nightwing. Uh, You get uh, Tim as as Nightwing. But Tim's job throughout that entire storyline was basically... You know, and he did the best he could, keeping John Paul Valley from completely going over the edge as Batman because he was insane. Yeah, man, as Bats is a weird '90s thing that, like, I have a lot of love for a lot of the stories that he's involved in, but I still don't know if I wholly understand. <laughs> yeah, it was weird to me, and you know, they even they they. You know, the mention is like, why did you pick this lunatic instead of me? Like, I'm Dick Grayson. Like, this is what you've been grooming me for. But it was one of those rare. I think it was one of those rare times where Batman shows emotion and he's just like, 
yeah, I, I don't think you could beat Bane, and I don't want to see you dead. So yeah. Also, you're not extreme enough. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah, he was extreme as hell. But that was my real first introduction to to Tim Drake to kind of like know who he was. And I'll be honest, like I was out of comics for a while. Like I was more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy. So I I look at it, I'm like, I'm like, who the hell? Like, why is Alfred calling him Master Drake? I'm like, that's not his name. His that's Dick Grayson. Like I remember him from the '66 show. Like I know, <laughs> you know that really it's, threw me off. But I honestly, think it's easier when you're a little kid to be like Six Robins. Yeah, sure, okay, this order. Yeah, great, got it. Uh, it's weirder when you think about it and then like how weird the Robin identity is to begin with. I used to, um, when I was at university, I would do this really annoying thing at parties where I would find the one dude wearing a Batman shirt because there's always one Mm -hmm. and literally pick a fight with him about how important Robin was. (laughs) Hey, everybody's got to have a hobby. I was like, listen, man, now I don't drink anymore (laughs) at the top of the show. (laughs) Uh, And it's funny because you mentioned the animated series and I brought it up as well, but he's not really Tim there. Like he's sort of this weird amalgam of Jason and Tim because he's a little brattier than we've ever really seen from Tim. But I do think there's episodes like Robin's Reckoning are really, really special um, or over the edge. He's just at the end of that. But he gets to be a part of some really incredible story arcs because he comes around once they solidify the show a little bit and they, there's a little more backstory and a little more narrative. But the personality is not strictly speaking. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. And then push my glasses up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 know, I know what you're saying um, because – you know, the, the Nightfall story arc came out right around, you know, when the animated series was kind of at the height of its powers. So you're seeing this, like, watered-down version of Batman, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Like, it was one of those, like, okay, Batman's going to be fine at the end of the episode. Everything will be wrapped up. It's like that sitcom mentality. It's like everything's going to be back to the status quo by the end of the episode. Because it's the- for children, even though mostly adults are watching it. Exactly. But then you see, you know, you know, you see the comics that are coming out at the same time, which, yeah, they're still kind of aimed towards the same demographic, but maybe not as wide. You know, they're not casting as wide a net. You know, if you're eight, you know, seven, eight years old, you can enjoy Batman, the animated series, because there's plenty of like colorful villains. The the art is uh, Bruce Timm's art is awesome. Uh, the Kevin Conroy doing the voice, Mark Hamill, like even the Joker doesn't look as menacing, mm-hmm. that, even though you know he's crazy. And then you have Harley Quinn who looks like a or oh, a, bless. a ridiculous. That I will say um, that's sort of I love the '90s in comics. Um, all my favorite characters come out of it. Uh, that Robin series, even though it is very dated you could actually give to someone at any age, which is maybe why I latched onto it because that's when I was coming up. And I do think that there is, just to tie it back into my comic, um, I do think there is something to telling a quality story for readers of all ages. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for gritty comics. I'm not saying that there's not a place for, I'm fine with pornographic comics. I'm fine with truly all of it. Um, but I think there's something special with superheroes where you can hand it to almost anyone. And the animated series, um, 
specifically Batman and Superman, spun out really amazing comics um, in the Batman and Superman adventures that were that came out sort of in the late 90s. Yeah, and you know, you, you see a lot of the the similar art styles, so it's I mean, not all the shows were the the same quality, but yeah. You know, you're kind of capitalizing on like everybody. Even if you're not a comics fan, you know who Batman is. You recognize that symbol. Like, and you know, to kind of go along with what you were saying, uh, as far as like you know, when it's an animated series or when it's a, a specific, uh, you know, uh, type of comic that you're, you you want to hand off to somebody, um, you know, not to plug our own shows again, but. The Incredibles. Oh, <laughs> the, the, we did an episode on The Incredibles when the, the second one was coming out. and So good. Well, we're rewatching the first one, and we're realizing this is a lot more violent than we remembered. The kill count in The Incredibles <laughs> is higher than all the Hostel movies combined. Oh, boy. But Incredibles 2 has a lot as well when you consider that all those supers are going down. Yeah. I mean, it's not near... like. 37 is the death count of, of <laughs> the incredible the first incredibles like that's like you but don't think about cartoons it cartoons and it's wacky yeah it's like oh this guy just you know he's chasing after dash and he missed and exploded but dash is happy cuz he's running fast and oh he he just caused the death of five men but is he sad and emotional about it no he's laughing and he's excited about his powers look how fast he can go like he he tried hashtag good job yeah <laughs> so um you and I had uh you know in some of our back and forth prior to coming on the show you had said that uh, and you touched on a little bit that Tim Drake was kind of uh, a bit of an inspiration for Tamsin in science so I'm sorry science um so science that's right how uh how did that kind of transition, you know, uh, like what aspects of the Tim Drake character did you take? Or was it just like, you know, like you said, you know, Tim's good at hacking. He's a natural detective. Like, you know, what kind of natural skill set does Tamsin have? You know, something like that. Oh, man, that's such a good segue. Um, (laughs) So I kind of ranted a little bit about it earlier, but I do think it's ridiculous that um, especially for young women, intelligence isn't something that's prized. And I really think it should be, um, you know, be clean and be well kept. But I, I think we should really realign where we put our values. And for me, it is superheroes is always tough, right? Because you always drive everybody kind of sexy, because that's the point. Um, for me, because Tim was a character who was driven by that, I really wanted to do the same kind of things for Tamsin, and I wanted to make it look as effortless. Something that Tim has that like Dick doesn't is because he is so smart, and he's able to grasp really complex concepts with a relative amount of ease in a good amount of speed. He can make it look effortless compared to other characters, like when he's leading the Titans and he's next to you know, Connor Kent, who is a great character, but I mean, I would describe him as kind of a meathead. Um, You really get to see like how incredible Tim is. And we wanted Tamsin. She does have her father embedded in her glasses and he's helping her, but she is the smartest person at the school. And we wanted her to be able to tackle complicated things like these assistant robots, like a dampener field, like hacking 
with great aplomb so that she was just as capable as if she didn't have her father there guiding her way. And I'm hoping that, you know, if it's incredibly successful and becomes a sensation <laughs> that someday, um, you know, little kids who are reading it now might look up and admire her the same way that I really admire Tim Drake. So we got to get statues made. We got to get her in a cartoon and <laughs> <laughs> <in> action figures. <laughs> Uh, oh no! What did what does Lisa call them? They're not dolls; they're aspiration figures. Yes, I love that. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, you know like what you're saying. Like when it comes so naturally, you can kind of go one of two ways. You know, you can do like what you're saying. It's like, you know, yeah, this is really easy to me. But let me show you. Let me help you. Let me uh, explain it to you in a way that you know you might understand because I'm going to learn differently from you. But this is easy to me. I see you're struggling. Let me help you. Or you can yeah, go because, the Tony Stark route. Yeah, and and we do have this archetype that people really seem to like, and I singularly blame Han Solo for it, where you are capable, and capable doesn't always mean super intelligent. I don't look at Han Solo as an intelligent character, but he's very capable. Mm -hmm. um, capable characters have a certain level of being an asshole, but they're a charming asshole, or they're useful, so it's okay. Um, and I think that's kind of a bummer. And I don't think I don't think that's something that you should aspire to be. And I don't want to write my characters like that. It's certainly not my protagonists. Um, I think it's a bummer that that is like an archetype that exists. And it, it does permeate comic books. Like you brought up Tony Stark. Like Tony is often a complete jerk. Like Pepper should have left him. She should be married to Happy like she is in the comics. Mm -hmm. uh, he will treat her right. You know, uh, but he's Tony Stark and he's a cool dude and like he kind of means well underneath it all. So like, all right, boys will be boys. Like enough of that. Yeah. Well, let's it's, smart and let's be, I guess, gracious is also the word I'm looking for. Well, it's, it, it plays into what you said earlier, you know, uh, you know, kind of circling back to the Tim Drake thing. Uh, Dick Batman. Please. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm better than you. I know more than you. I can do the end. I don't know if you happen to see the uh, not quite faithful adaptation of the Killing Joke. Oh yeah, dude! I I turned that off right quick. Yeah, like the way he interacts with Barbara Gordon throughout that additional, we'll call it filling of runtime. Unnecessary. Just well, it's not in the comic. Unnecessary garbage. Yeah, I, I uh, that is something that was introduced in Batman Beyond, which also made Tim Drake the Joker. So I I've never seen that series, but I hate it on principle. Um the idea I also I love Barbara Gordon. The idea that Batman that Bruce Wayne would sleep with Barbara Gordon that's like if he fucked Dick Grayson. Like that's insane. And then Further to the super dick Batman, when the guy whose name is actually Dick, where you could like becomes Batman, he has a scene with Commissioner Gordon where Gordon's like, hey, we know you're not the same guy and we actually like you more. That says a lot about the way you're having mm, the most iconic comic book character of all time act. And there's lots of room for angst and there's lots of room for anger in a Batman story, but some characters i think can also illustrate his flaws well i think it's 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 a trope that you see you know in horror movies in comic book movies in pretty much everything there's always this older 
you know, maybe they're the protagonist, but maybe they're, you know, the father or the uncle or the mentor in some way. It was like, well, I'm doing this to protect you. And it's like, oh, yeah. But are you like, why didn't you tell me I had a half sister or I, I had a sister that, you know, died when I was six? It's like, well, I was telling you to protect you. Or, well, now she's returned from beyond the grave to take vengeance on her family. Like, why didn't you tell me this? It's like, oh, oh. man, that's how I feel about Hank Pym in the Ant-Man movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Don't uh, we did an Ant-Man episode. and We talked about what a jerk Hank Pym is in the comic. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> But also, if we're gonna if we're gonna live in this universe where we're gonna suspend our disbelief and we're gonna go, okay, Tim Drake was six when he first saw Dick Grayson, eight when he figured it out, nine when he became Robin. Like, if we're living in that world and like we're gonna suspend our disbelief that much, I don't know if characters get to make the "I'm doing it for your own good" or "I'm doing you know I'll tell you when you're older" type of arguments because right. we're letting them be superheroes and that's insane. Yes. Like, you're six, and we're you're you know you're getting shot at by mafia guys, uh, but yeah, I'll, with little to no psychological damage. <laughs> which is, I think that's their real superpower. Um, is is the power of their psyche? Yeah, like the the power not to just like become complete and total sociopaths. Because if you think about it, every Robin should grow up to be some sort of like maniacal crime boss and like hate batman for what he put them through they should grow up to be dead honestly uh if but we did that up, once, yeah so we can't do it again yeah. <laughs> i remember i don't know how old you are and you know you don't have to you know explain it. you said you grew up in the 90s i i'm yeah. early 80s through the 90s i was a teenager in the 90s um i would say i'm too young to care but i'm old enough to know better there you go um <laughs> i remember the Will they or won't they Jason Todd comics, you know? That that only one because somebody had a dialing machine? Yeah. And or an they, auto dialer, whatever those are called. I saw that really, sign filled up. Really didn't like uh, Jason Todd or Robin. I don't know which, but I... Um, I will say, uh, uh, Jason Todd, I do think the best thing he did was die. And I do think the Red Hood identity is better. Um, yes. It hasn't always had the best stories told with it. There's a couple really incredible ones. Um, but I don't think they did a good job at the time distancing him from Dick Grayson. There's a Grant Morrison who I've mentioned several times and would clearly attend the church of mm -hmm. um, retcon where he had red hair and Batman made him die. Like they did more interesting things with Jason, even as Robin after he died, which is such a bummer because maybe if they'd been doing more dynamic, thoughtful storytelling, like even in the Under the Red Hood arc, um, you know, maybe we wouldn't have had to brutally murder him, but here yeah. we are. Um, I know you're getting close to time, and, you know, um, we do want to give you enough time to prepare for your next endeavor that you're going to be doing. Um, Thank you. I do want to quickly ask you... Uh, you know, I don't want to go more than like five, ten minutes, you know, to okay. I'll try not to talk that much. No, no, uh, <laughs> it shouldn't be that that much. Um, what are your thoughts on the new 52 version of uh, Tim Drake, who is now Red Robin? Yeah. Um, again, don't know why they didn't just make him Nightwing. Uh, the original Red Robin costume was really cool. I really enjoyed. I think it's pre new 52, though, the original Red Robin miniseries with all the Francis Manipole covers where mm -hmm. he's hunting for Batman. Um, I don't like the new 52 um, Venetian blinds take on the costume. 
That's a good even though I ha- I have the action figure, um, it was fine. Tim doesn't have a lot to do in the new 52, which is a bummer. I do think there were some really wonderful things that came out of it, uh, but Tim Drake sadly was not one of them. No. Um, so before we let you go, I just mm-hmm. want to uh, quickly touch on where folks can find you. Uh, you know some of the some of the stuff you do that might appeal to our audience because. We have a very wide audience. A lot of people like a lot of different nerd things, and we do a lot of like really interesting. Um, we cover a lot of interesting fandoms. So, why don't you tell the folks some of what you do um, and where we can find you on social media? Cool. You can find me all over social media at Ashley V Robinson. The V is important because Ashley Robinson is a WNBA player. I don't want to fight for SEO. You can find my comic book at sciencecomicbook.com. I think there's 26 days left to pre-order it. So please consider taking a look at it, donating, sharing, whatever you would like. Uh, You can find my podcast, Geek History Lesson, at geekhistorylesson.com. We take one character from popular culture and teach you everything you need to know about them in about an hour. This week's episode, we finally did Barry Allen, even though we both like Wally West better. So uh, come listen to it, and then you can fight us afterward. We have 228 episodes, so I bet there's going to be one that you like. Uh, you can find me as a guest panelist often on Collider Heroes, uh, which I think you can just go to YouTube and search for Collider. Um, try to think of other things. Oh, Major Spoilers Podcast, which is what I'm leaving very rudely to go do. You can find that at Majorspoilers.com. If you subscribe to the Major Spoilers podcast feed, that's their master feed, you'll get Geek History Lesson and the Major Spoilers podcast, so you can get all of my podcasts in one place. Uh, I also write a weekly column over there called Did You Hear? Breaking Down All the Biggest News in Hollywood. I also have a just went up that is if you are enjoying the spider-man video game what are some cool comic books that you can check out that tie into some of the characters and plot points of the game um i need that game (laughs) dude it's real good uh you can send money to your lovely hosts here so that they can get themselves the spider-man video game and do a playthrough and start a twitch channel i'll just volunteer that for you you're welcome awesome And uh, if you are in the Los Angeles area, I am in the world premiere of The Man Who Saved Everything at Theater West for one more weekend. So if you want to come see it on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, hit me up and I'll give you a ticket. Nice. And uh, I guess that's all I have to plug. I don't sleep much, guys. Yeah. No, we... uh, we, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. uh, Yeah, it's... it's Like ever, maybe... (laughs) I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing this this knowledge because, like I said, you know I'm not super well versed in in Tim Drake or you know honestly any of the the Robin's history. So, um, and that's one of the things we like to do is you know even if we don't know a character or somebody's passionate about someone, mm-hmm. we want to talk to you about it. Um, thank you for having me and thank you for being flexible. Um, and if you ever want someone to scream about Frodo Baggins, I'm your girl. You know, I have been trying for a long time oh to get God, her to watch The Lord of the Rings. Oh, it's just the best. So, um, 
yeah, I definitely would love to have you back on. You're very knowledgeable. I'm going to have to um, watch Lord of the Rings, aren't you're I? You're going to have to watch You're going to have to supply me with a lot of wine. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> extended they're editions. They're only like... Yeah, yeah they're all, the extended <laughs> ones are only like six hours long. Which oh, are the only? King is the only? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, a, of pure of pure joy. It's 18 I get, hours. I get bathroom breaks, right? Like, oh, yeah, that's then cool. we got to like, do Battle okay. of the Five Armies. We got the... the oh, my God. The, the, no, the you everything. don't. Oh, my God. You're going to have to... <laughs> you have are, to watch The Hobbit. <laughs> you don't. No, we are completionists in, in, our, in our house. God so. damn it. You have to um, buy me pizza, too. Yeah, right? <laughs> but Ash, All right, what... Whenever you convince Ashes to watch through, I will happily come back on and I'll chat Lord of the Rings with you guys. Excellent. Yeah, we'd okay. love to have you. Yeah. Um, we're going to promote the hell out of all your stuff because uh, that's you. what we like to do. And, uh, yeah, uh, everybody go check out all the social media feeds, the, the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Red Shirt Diaries and, you know, what you and I were talking about off off air before the show uh, makes a lot more sense now that that, <laughs> that one specific episode. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to show Ashes because um, I think it'll it'll definitely resonate with her too. It wasn't even my idea; it was Jason's idea. We're gonna be really cryptic about it, so you'll have yes. to bring me back on to talk. About yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, once again, thank you and. Uh, we look forward to having you on again in the future. Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm just going to thank you in advance. I know we haven't read your comic book yet, but I already know that I'm going to fucking love it. And, you know, just just thank you for representing the underrepresented. Well, joke's on you because now I know I have you as a resource, so I'm probably going to send some <laughs> science questions. Call me. We can be besties. Absolutely. It's great. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm completely serious. I will, and so you are know, we. I, I, if I don't know something, odds are I know somebody Can you Google does. it for me? Yeah, I can also Google it. Let me, let me, let me check Wikipedia. Hey, every other right. episode, we do a very... <laughs> Uh, obscure when science in, yeah, fact. Say, when so. in doubt, just call it a theory. It's a working oh, okay. theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fabulous. Well, thank you so, so much again. I, I really, I appreciate it so much and I can't do what I do if I don't have other cool people to let me come and scream about it. So thank you. Uh, you're more than welcome. Um, so good luck and uh, enjoy your, your next show and have yourself a, a wonderful evening. Thank you. Be safe. Make good choices. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> Bye now. Bye. Thank you. All right. So let's go to our uh, let's second go to our last break. break. Yeah, we'll we'll come back. We'll uh, reveal some battle results, which I was kind of surprised about, and uh, I wasn't. We'll uh, we'll wrap everything up.
iTunes, Google Music, Amazon, CD Baby, and all other digital distribution sites. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created F is for Family, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Fueled by tacos, beer, and Bloody Marys, the only show featuring baby Jesus with a nail gun, the pride of PA, and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Farm. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia. Hello. I'm here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life. Tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and punchfarm.com. Keep on punching! <laughs> Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall. In the motherfucking house. Patrick Wayhall. In the motherfucking house. And we are back. Dad, he lives at my house. <laughs> that was a really good conversation. She, she is absolutely delightful. She knows her nerd stuff. Like, that's why I was... You know, it's funny, and I, I, I should have mentioned this before, but, like, I've been a fan of hers for a while, but I didn't, I didn't want to seem, like, too weird. Uh, hopefully she listens to the episode she'll hear. I've been a fan of hers for a while, and like a year ago, I shot her a message on Twitter trying to get her to come on the show. Oh, really? Saying how I was such a big fan. I always love listening to people who are, A, more knowledgeable about things that I don't know, Yeah, and B, people who are passionate and when you combine the two, like if I can just, I, I love sitting back and just listening to people talk and that I, uh, well, I'm a child of the nineties. I grew up yep. in the, you know, born in the eighties, grew up <clears throat> in the nineties. Um, I wasn't really into the whole, but I'm, we all know I'm a comic book neophyte. I'm yep. a little late to the game, but I'm getting into it. Um, dude, we have to watch the Batman animated series because it sounds amazing. Well, I know our good buddy, uh, Nick, the uh, movie critic extraordinaire, mm-hmm. just pre-ordered the entire set that comes with a couple little Funko dudes Oh wow! on Blu-ray and digital. Um, one thing, you, also, I don't. I actually didn't check to see if they're all on there, but DC Universe's streaming um, it app is now available. And oh yeah, that's right. It has oh. it has it on there. I assume it's all the episodes because it's got all the episodes of other shows. So I assume it's on there as well. And I just I figured what the hell like they were offering a deal if you if you get it for a year you get three months free so fifteen months and it was like seventy bucks. So oh wow! That's what I did. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, I know our our buddy. Uh Powerful Brandon just just uh, got it because he's a he's a huge DC guy. Uh, I do want to uh, thank Ashley again for uh, one thing that you know we did mention. Uh, this is our first real foray into a mainstream DC character. I mean, we've covered Booster Gold, we've covered Blue Beetle, right? But this is one that people are like, oh, I ever you know I know Robin, but like, do you know this about Robin? I knew that there were different Robins, but I didn't really realize the diversity between all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I'm aware of Carrie Kelly yeah, because we watched, we watched yep. the Dark Knight Returns, um, which I think is a 
very interesting story, and that would be a really good storyline to cover. Yeah, and um, but I didn't realize that, you know, uh, the male robins were so different in dynamic, and you know, uh, characteristics and everything else. You know, like yeah, I, I just I, I didn't realize that there were such significant differences between the characters. Yeah, I mean, and one of the things that I was uh, a little hesitant about, but, you know, after seeing the stuff on uh, the YouTube channel, um, which I also follow, which is her and, and Jason Inman, J-Win, J-A-W-I-I-N, uh, and they search that, and that has a lot of the the, the geek history as well. Uh, so you have a lot of you know, overlapping content. Um, But the fact that there's such a long history of this character and she was able to kind of, this is why I like him. This is my, you know, and she was able to get in there. I mean, she's a pro. She's a pro. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the things I wanted to mention, uh, because she mentioned it on the, uh, on the, the punch farm podcast, but, uh, they, uh, her, her, and Jason doing this this science Kickstarter. Everything that they are you didn't making, say it right? The science. There you go. Everything that they are doing, like this money, isn't going to them. Like they've sunk their own money into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is going towards, you know, these different goals and paying artists and paying writers and, you know, getting all this this work done to get the comic out. So. They're not really making money on this. Like, it's not going to them. You know what I mean? Like, it's going into the project and into other projects that they're working on. Right. So this isn't like, you know, say their their goal. I, I know what their goal was. They've, they've surpassed their goal, uh, like she mentioned. But it's like, say the goal was 10000 and they made fifteen. It's not like, all right, let's pocket five grand. It's like, no, let's put that five grand into, like... Because when they recorded the Punch Fire episode, she was saying how, like, it's like, yeah, you know, we don't know if this is going to get a widespread release, if this is, if this is going to be the only way to get, get it is through the Kickstarter, but since they attained their goal, now the book's going to get a release, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's great. I really like the fact It sounds that, similar to, like, uh, writers, authors who self-publish. Yeah. You know, it's like the money that is made just goes right back into the project and right back into more projects. And, you know, if you have a great idea, that idea needs to get out there. And unfortunately, not everyone has, you know, the means to have, you know, super well-known, like, publishing companies back them and yeah. you know and there's something to be said about believing in your project so much that you are willing to back it yourself yeah you know and and, and want passion. to get you exactly like it's such a passion project and you want to get your voice out there and you want to get your your art out there um in such a way that you are willing to sink your own money into it and you know, develop these ideas and anything that is, you know, any proceeds that are made 
are just going to go right into creating more projects. Yeah. You know, it's not like a it's it's not like a big conglomeration type thing. It's right. all kind it's of like it's it's all grassroots. Yeah. I, I mean, like that. They're I like out that there a lot. going on the they're making the videos for YouTube, they're going on the podcast, they're reaching out, you know, uh do yourself a favor and listen to that Punch Farm episode. Because there's some stuff that she covered in the process on he, on with us, uh, but there's a lot more stuff that they that she covered about the process with them. You know, plus there are friends you should be listening to them anyways. So, um, but yeah, I know we have some uh, some stuff to get to before we uh, we end up. But uh, so we had a battle last week. We had a battle. We had a crazy battle. We had a crazy battle. It was a predator melee. It was. So we had pretty much predator versus the world. Basically, yeah. Uh, it was a predator free for all at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Thank you for that, Patrick. You're welcome. Uh, can you just even begin to imagine the songs that the Oompa Loompas would be singing about that? Now, I, I got into a little bit of a, uh, a discussion with our good friend uh, Stephanie Wiley. Uh, regarding see she was of the opinion that because of the property damage and the structural damage that they were going to do that they would automatically be disqualified from uh, even entering the chocolate factory and I said well no you can't punish them for something they hadn't done yet like though Willy Wonka knew Augustus Gloop was going to do something and fall and fall into the chocolate which is why the boat didn't have a seat for him. Well, he, I don't think he knew who was. He knew, he knew somebody, somebody was, was going to screw something. something up. Uh, you know, he let him in. He still let everyone into the. You know, hoping maybe he was wrong. He was trying to believe in the goodness of people, and maybe he thought that these guys could all, you know, put aside their differences and just cram chocolate in their face for a couple hours. But you know, you can't punish them for something they haven't done yet. But uh, we do have a, a definitive winner. It wasn't who I chose. but So just to refresh your memories, it was the Predator versus a Xenomorph versus the Terminator versus Batman versus Judge Dredd. And surprisingly, um, it was a lot closer than I had anticipated. It came down to three. Predator... Terminator and Batman. Well, see, yeah, I, mean, I predicted Batman would be like the first to go. See, I, you know, he's after we discussed guy. that, Bat, yeah, but he's always just a guy, and he's the guy. Like Ashley said, he's Bat God. Um, but anyways, there can only be one. Get to the choppa. It's Predator. Predator came out on top by only a couple of votes. Yeah, I I voted for Judge Dread. Uh. El Goro made a compelling argument. We did have a lovely conversation uh, on the page between uh, El Goro, myself, our good buddy Steve Van Sampson, who we're going to be seeing soon. Ooh, spoiler alert! And our buddy Kurt. So, yeah, Predator 1. Was that that the end of of your... Yeah, it was a great conversation about the honor code. Oh, yeah. Based off of what we... So, anyways, Predator 1. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I'm very excited for that. Um, 
I do. Do you think like, the predator would have like eaten some of the candy in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory? I'm sure there would have been some sort of predator specific. Do you think you like know, the recipes? predator would have been like, "I want an Oompa Loompa now, Daddy"? I think probably not. No. Willy Wonka might have harvested some of his blood because it's like so bright and shiny, and put it in some of his candy. But uh, let's see, we're running a little bit long. So I think what we're going to do is uh, we'll go ahead and give a quick preview of what we're doing next week. Because next week, uh, several people were very interested in the show, including uh, we're going to have a returning guest, uh, Spicy Quiston. Uh, There's rumors that she was so excited about coming on to the show that she was going to show up to the studio a week early just to make sure that she was there on time. So, uh, by the time we finish recording, she's probably going to be here. But, but anyways, yes, we're going to be talking about Eric Draven from, from 1994's The Crow, um, a character who I'm very eager to talk about, who I kind of can't believe we haven't discussed him well, yet. Well, and it's funny because we'll also tell the story of why we decided to pick The Crow, because it ties into some other stuff that's upcoming as well. This so is true. So... Next week, we'll be talking Eric Draven on The Crow. We'll have a new battle for you. Yes. Some new signs, some new wine, and Spicy Quiston. And I think that's about it. So yeah, we'll, we we'll, will... we'll, we'll talk about some of the other awesomeness. So we have some really freaking cool stuff coming up, We have up, some guys. good stuff coming up and some I'm good really guests. I'm really excited. Yeah. So with that being said, we, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> 